Welcome to He's Dead Jim, the podcast where we travel back through Star Trek, the original series, one episode at a time. I'm Mick McConnell, and joining me all the way from New York is my wonderful pal, Emily Lind. How are you, Emily? I'm good. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm great. Great. Very good. You've had a massive Star Wars week with Solo. Yes. I'm hanging out for... Uh, we won't talk about it here. People will have to tune in to Canabite Dispatch. But uh, I'm definitely hanging out for your reaction. Yeah, it'll it'll be something because I haven't really talked to Brittany at all about it yet. Where we because she's been um, like out of town, so she we didn't record on a normal day. So we've said about two sentences about our thoughts of the movie. So I have n- I don't even know if she liked it or not. Very cool. So we'll look forward to that. Tune in to Canabite Dispatch. It's cool to have a Star Wars movie while we're having a bit of a break from Star Trek movies. What is cool in Star Trek uh, this week? If you're on Netflix, check out The Toys That Made Us, Season 2 that just dropped. And I think the first episode of that series is all about Star Trek, Star Trek toys. So make sure you check that out. So we'll talk about that a bit later. Uh, but Emily, this week is very exciting because we have a special guest. We do. All the way from the Ain't It Rich podcast, please welcome Arya Salan. Thank you. It's good to be here. How are you this morning, Arya? I'm great. I'm on my second cup of coffee. Life is good. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Ain't It Rich, for people who haven't heard Ain't It Rich before, it's a podcast about out-of-control affluence. Is that yes, right? Yes, yes, that's right. Is that a, the right way to describe it? Yeah, definitely. Um, we're basically two socialists um, yelling about capitalism and um, about how people hoard money and do stupid shit with it while other people are starving. Excellent. Fighting the good fight. That's it. Um, and I would say it's 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 so much more than that. It's... Um, it's a fascinating podcast about interesting people and places and history. Um, so if you're listening to this and thinking, hey, I love capitalism. I'm a, neo- <laughs> I'm a neocon and I still support the Iraq war. Um, why should I listen probably. to this podcast? And I would... <laughs> probably don't. Probably. <laughs> I was, I was going to say it's a fascinating podcast. There's something in it for everyone. I guess so. Like, I think we... We delve pretty deep into what we research. So how it works is each of us researches a topic um, and reads it to the other. And um, we have some of Queensland's best comedians on as well who we read it to. Um, But, you know, I I especially go really deep into the research. I'm a massive nerd and a massive history nerd. So, um, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff. And it's good because we learn a lot along the way as well. It's fascinating. Um, No, you do it tremendous amount of work compared to us who watch a show on Netflix <laughs> and take a couple of notes. I think last week I had to say to Emily, sorry, I'm not ready to record yet because I watched it when I got home from the pub watching comedy last night and my notes don't make any sense. So I need to <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we. It's, it's definitely a lot of work, but it's fun. Um, when we first started, I don't think we realized that we were basically making ourselves write a 2000 word assignment every week, but, uh, Hey, <laughs> here we are. Tremendous. No, I, I, I recommend ain't it rich to everybody. Check it out. Thank you and, so uh, much. This week's episode was fascinating. You're talking about, um, the coldest town on earth, uh, which is within the Arctic circle. 
and I'm not not even going to tr- try and pronounce its Russian name. Oh, look, I um, probably got it wrong. I, I said Vukoyansk, but that's probably wrong. Fascinating. That's on my to-do list today to um, to Google that. But, no, there's some, yeah. some amazing phenomena around that town that I, I was listening to it while I was doing the grocery shopping and I had to rewind it two or three times. I won't, I won't spoil the episode, but jump on and check it out, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for that plug. Um, that was a lot of fun, that episode. It was, yeah, it was heaps of fun. Made me very grateful to live in sunny Queensland. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm complaining about having to wear a jumper today. Almost <laughs> winter. I found my jumper. Queenslanders freak out when it gets below 10 degrees Celsius, above zero. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it would be pretty cold in New York, though. Oh, well, we're sort of in the warm-up to full-on summer right now, so it's going from... Um, let's see if I can do the conversion because it's 90 degrees Fahrenheit today and it's supposed to be like 65 tomorrow. Whoa. That's a pretty big um, range. 90. Yeah, 90 is, is 32 Celsius. Okay. Is it humid in New York? Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Okay, that's bad. <laughs> that's that's the worst part about New York summers. That sounds like Brisbane every day of the year. Except for well, the other thing is it's, winter. It's the... It's the city, so everything like is cement and so and pavement, so the sun just like soaks in. Gross. Definitely better than the Russian town that I can't pronounce. Yeah. Anyone <laughs> minus, from Brisbane would not survive five minutes there. Minus sixty-two. That's We're how cold Celsius it gets. Celsius or Fahrenheit? Oh, both are cold. Celsius. <laughs> I mean. Th- that's that's pretty cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's that's our weather podcast. Yeah, that's um, it. <laughs> Aria, you you mentioned well. I believe Aria, you're a next generation fan, like a lot of us. Who's your who's your guy or gal in next generation? Um, I or oh, I'd have to say probably Captain Picard. Nice, nice. very popular choice. Yeah, I mean, he's great. You just can't go past him. In our, uh, we had a Facebook poll recently. I put the two captains, um, Kirk and Picard, up against one another, and Picard was the clear favourite. Yeah, Kirk's shit. Do... He's got nothing on Picard. <laughs> <laughs> there, might, there might be a few Kirk fans listening to this. I'm a Kirk fan. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> so good. Uh, no, no. Picard is, I would much rather serve under Picard. Um, yes. Facebook only lets you have two options in a poll now. It's cool because it's a nice visual thing where you can put up um, pictures or GIFs for people to clip on, click on. Um, but, yeah, only two options. So I'll have to, do, uh, have to do the next couple of captains and see how we go, and then maybe I can play them off against one another. Yes. I think Picard will always win, though, so it's... Yes, yes. Um, so I guess we're going to do next. Um, mental blank. I can't think of the Deep Space Nine captain. I would think Cisco, Cisco, Cisco and Janeway. Cisco and Janeway. We'll do Cisco and Janeway next. So if you don't follow us already on Facebook, give us a like on Facebook. When did you first watch Next Gen? Was that something you watched sort of repeats on TV? No, I watched a lot of Star Trek with my dad as a kid. 
So my memory of it's pretty foggy, but like I grew up watching it and um, my dad, I always remember like what I always remember about my dad's house as a kid is he had these big bookcases along the hallway with all the DVD box sets and you know how oh, they've nice. got like the picture on the side? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was fascinated by that as a little kid and I think like – I remember watching it with dad when I was really young and just having no idea what the hell was going on. So exciting. Mind you, I still don't know if I know what the hell goes on in Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it scary as a kid? Like, I, I remember as a kid seeing, like, shows like Doctor Who and stuff and it was a bit sort of terrifying. No, but this, there was one that he used to watch that I did find scary I can't remember what it was called, but it was just, it was like some dude who would like go into other dimensions and stuff. Oh God, I wish I could remember the name of that show. I'll have to ask him. But yes, that was one. But no, I always just thought Star Trek was silly and fun. So the the guy that went to different dimensions might have been the, is that the Traveller? Oh, but you're talking about like an actual, you're talking about like a different TV show. Right? Not an episode. Oh, sorry. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. That's gonna really bug me. It's bugging me too. And it was it was just one guy. Yeah. It was like one guy who was the main character. I can see his face. Ah, it's a really popular show. As soon as I think of it, you guys are gonna be really mad at me. What what time period are we looking at? Like what what years? Like eighties, nineties? I'm sorry, I have no idea how long. <laughs> I'm twenty seven, so but okay. I think it was probably made in the 80s. Did he solve crimes? I'm trying to look it up. I'm glad you guys edit this. Okay. So not like Sliders or Stargate? No, Stargate is probably my no. favourite sci-fi show of all time, though. Oh, cool. What's your favourite Stargate series? Atlantis. Cool. I haven't watched much of that. I watched the weird one where they were stuck on an ancient ship. That only ran for like two seasons. Right. Um, Great story, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't watch that. I don't know, I pretty I loved SG one and I watched that religiously as a kid. Um and like when I was a little kid I would like imagine jumping through like Stargate. Like we'd find an arch in a tree and we'd be like, This is the Stargate. Nice. Um and I always wanted to be Richard Dean Anderson's character. Oh, well, um, I can just yell out random TV shows to you. Was it ALF? That's what I It was <laughs> ALF. That was it. ALF was the one I found terrifying. Oh, <laughs> no, it wasn't ALF. Uh, there was an episode of that that did scare me as a kid. There were giant... Um, Alf, it brought, it found a bag of snacks he had stashed on his ship and they were cockroaches, but all Ugh. of a sudden they became giant, giant cockroaches and they're cruising around the house and it was a bit like a horror movie. Nah, that's terrifying. Yep. And then my that's parents That's absolutely it off terrifying. I cannot, for the love of me, find this. I've sent my dad a message and he's not replying. <laughs> so this week we watched. Uh, what are little girls made of? Which is from season one, episode seven, or episode eight on uh, Netflix. Yep. And I forgot to mention, we can hear your um, parrot in the background. We can hear your bird. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have two rescue budgies. Ah, very good. I was going to ask what uh, what type of birds they are. 
This is awesome. We've got special guests, rescue budgerigars. Yes. Yuki and Haru, named after uh, the characters in the Studio Ghibli film, The Cat Returns. Oh, wow. Very cool. I haven't seen that one. I've seen, oh, what's the fish one? Ah, Ponyo. Ponyo. That's what I named my horse after. Oh, I remember seeing that on something. So cool. (laughs) Have you seen Ponyo, Emily? No, I haven't. Um, I, I've heard Ghibli that I or? should. Yeah, I've I've seen some of the stuff, but that one I haven't seen. Although my mom told me that I should watch that one. Ponyo is so good. It's very good. That's how 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 my mom ended up watching it, I have no idea. But <laughs> she said I would like it. Well, it's like Disney released the international version, and it's got Liam Neeson and Kate Blanchett and a few others doing the voices. Um. It's pretty accessible. Yeah, it is. <gasps> Guys, Dad replied. It's the Twilight Zone. Oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Which was made in 1959, not the 80s. I'm really well, dumb. Think- well, there was there was a remake. There was? Yeah. Yeah, okay. at least one. Okay. And I okay, so I yeah. guess I'm guessing the one guy was Serling doing the the introductions to the episodes, possibly. <laughs> ah, okay, because he was always out in his dimensions. suit and his cigarette. So cool! <laughs> I like the Futurama version, the scary door. Oh, I haven't seen that, but I already love it. <laughs> oh, it's so good! They, like it, it had come up as a little skit quite often in the episodes and be what's behind the scary door <laughs> and just talk about something scary that you might see that's amazing it's very good actually <laughs> oh man the twilight zone it's not even like a uh, it's not even a time travel thing is it it's just like a is it i don't how does it work it, it could be an, anything it's an it's anthology so every episode is its own little self-contained some of them are really sci-fi. Some of them are more horror. Okay. They do a lot of ghost stories. Yeah. A lot okay. of things where people turn out to be robots. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna have to watch that show it's now. Always a robot. God, spoilers. No, there's not. <laughs> not always. <laughs> yeah. Only like only like half, maybe like a quarter of the time somebody's a robot. Okay. <laughs> but I, when it's... I watch it, I always suspect that someone's a robot. Well, it's somebody's a robot, somebody is Satan, um, time travel, or it's an alien zoo. An alien yeah. zoo. Those are the big Twilight Zone ones. <laughs> yes. All, all the humans are about to be cooked. It does sound scary. There are definitely some episodes, even like watching it now, there are some genuinely frightening episodes of that show. Oh, yeah. Cool. So that's a good tie into this week's episode uh, of Star Trek. If you're into Twilight Zone, this felt to me to be a pretty Twilight Zone episode with some of the twists. Okay. So we started off this week with Kirk on the bridge with Nurse Chapel, uh, who we know is uh, Nurse Chapel was played by creator Gene Roddenberry's second wife. Uh, and this is a pretty good episode for Nurse Chapel. She gets pretty, she gets more of a meaty role in this one. 
Um, so everyone on the bridge is looking concerned and uh, Kirk turns to the nurse and says, we're starting to enter standard orbit nurse. It won't be much longer. Uh, I understand. And he also says, I understand you gave up a career in bio research to sign aboard the Starship. Um, nurse Chapel uh, says, I know he's alive down there. We don't know who they're talking about yet. Oh, he's said, alive. I know, I know he's alive. Kirk says it's been five years since his last message, so he's, he's trying to prepare Nurse Chapel. And Nurse Chapel says, Roger's a very determined man. He'd find a way to live. Okay. So we get Spock going through the ship's computer. Um, and the computer screen is clearly a slide projector, just showing us some, a slideshow. Um, and he's finding out info about planet XO3. Uh, so it's uninhabited. Um, the atmosphere is within safety limits, but the surface temperature is 100 degrees below zero. So it sounds like uh, that Russian yeah, town. Yeah, they're the going to Vukoyansk. That's all nickname, Planet XO3. Yeah, because it's too hard to say the Russian name. Yeah, vice versa. We can just call that, call that town Planet XO3. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Uh, it may have been inhabited once, but the sun in this system has been fading steadily for half a million years, which is very ominous. I uh, forgot to mention for the Stardate fans that listen, I assume they exist, um, it we're up to Stardate 2712.4, uh, which is, I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. Um, <laughs> so we're going forward in time. We appear to be going forward in time. If that means something to anyone, so it does. It jumps back in star date time sometimes. Hey, yeah, it jumps around. So I think they're they're just telling fun story highlights from their mission. From the I guess they're meant to be told from the captain's log. Okay, uh, and we know that they they also played around with the order they aired the episodes in is different to the, the order they shot them in. Okay. Spock says, Dr. Corby was often called the pastor of archaeological medicine and his Archaeological medicine. Archaeological medicine. What do you think that might be? Um, I don't know. You dig up bones and grind them up and sell them at a high price on Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds about right. So apparently his translation of medical records from the Orion ruins revolutionized their immunization techniques. So he seems to be able to find um, relics from ancient history and around space and uncover um, cool medical techniques and improvements from other civilizations. Okay, that's interesting. So that sounds pretty cool. That's a side of archaeology we don't have on earth i i mean when i when i googled it right now the first result was a result from the star trek wiki page for that episode nice i mean maybe we could do that on earth maybe we're just reading the hieroglyphics wrong i just i don't know the science doesn't check out to me how do you make a vaccine from an archaeological remnant because like 
there are very few viruses that can survive that long. And mm. why don't you just fight? Like, you know, the, the whole way you make a vaccine is by like finding a virus and then, you know, either giving it in a killed form or a live form so that the body builds an immunity to it. I just don't understand how those two things work together. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it also seems if, I mean, if it was based on his translations of these runes, I mean, that's a very different skill set than medicine itself. Yes. Like translating runes and, and knowing language and figuring out like what specific like chemicals or stuff they were talking about is not the same thing as either being a doctor or being an archaeologist, really. Mind you, have you guys heard about, there was these two women, one was a microbiologist and one was a historian, and they worked together to investigate a bunch of really, really old recipes and, like, you know, sort of ailments, not ailments, what's the word? Ointments. Um, And they actually found um, an antibiotic that is more effective at killing these really hard to kill strains of bacteria than any antibiotic we have now. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely a relevant thing. Okay. That's cool. That is very cool. So I'm just, I'm not going to debunk this guy. I believe in him. Yeah. Well, I wonder if that's possible on earth. Like when archeologists look at uh, hieroglyphics and pyramids, all I see is, you know, bird, cat, swan, pointy guy like <laughs> that actually could be um like the recipe to cure aids is kombucha and red bull oh knew it <laughs> i mean i have a i have a whole book of of old greco-roman it's it's a mixture because it's it's sort of it's it's based on it's it's called the the greco-roman magical papyri in translation and it's mostly looking at at like spells and stuff, but it also has, you know, like cures for headaches or things like that, which often involve like a lot of, a lot of like animal dung <laughs> and other things that don't sound particularly like good for you, but maybe some of them actually work. And what are they doing? Like with the, was animal dung involved in the headache cure? I don't remember specifically, but it's involved in a whole lot of stuff. It probably is. Are and they... usually white dung. I see. Are they ingesting it or are they just making oil? A lot out of, of it? um a lot of like what do you call it, poultices where it's like you have little things oh. that you like wear around your neck. Mm. That's interesting. Fascinating. Wear animal poo around your neck. You won't have any headaches because no one will yeah. talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the next thing at, around Byron Bay at the markets. They'll be selling animal dung ne- necklaces. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? So we get from this, the guy is into archaeology and medicine. So he seems like he's a specialist in both. Um, and Kirk says, uh, yeah, so Spock says he was often called the pasteur of archaeological medicine. Uh, and he's done important stuff and Kirk says you know that was required reading at the academy and I've always wanted to meet him do you think there's any chance of him still being alive so we learn that the last signal from Dr Corby was about finding underground caverns which is very exciting 
And since then, two expeditions to the planet have failed to find him. Hmm. Uh, Ahura, Ahura, do you know Ahura? She's our communications officer. She's been unable to hail the planet so far, but she finally receives a hail from Dr. Corby. And they find out that he and part of his expedition are remaining alive on the planet due to the discovery of the underground ruins left by former inhabitants. Okay. Mysterious. Um, Corby has made secret discoveries, so he makes a bit of a strange, ominous request for Kirk to come alone. Um, Kirk sort of considers it. Spock's quite concerned. Um, so we gather that Nurse Chapel knows this Dr. Corby and we find out that she was engaged to him. <gasps> I knew it. Yeah. So we get a nice bit of soap opera drama or soap opera intrigue maybe. I mean, it's um, not Star Trek if there's no romance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And as we learn later, I believe he also used to be her professor, which is a little bit icky. Oh, oh no. Yeah. So that's we, not we okay. know that yeah. Yeah, that's right. Bloody sixties. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we know that Nurse Chapel turned down a career in bio research, um, to become a nurse on board the Starship. Um Spock basically asks um, Nurse Chapel to verify that, you know, does it really sound like Dr. Corby? And she's like, oh, yes, it's him. So um, Kirk suggests that Nurse Chapel comes down too and Dr. Corby sounds delighted about this. He's very excited to see her. So they beam down into these cool purple caves. They are very cool. I've um, I've got it on the telly quietly at the moment. Oh, nice, and, nice. Um, it just looks like somewhere that unicorns would be, and I just want to go there. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so cool. Yeah, that would be the best thing as a kid to, yeah, just watching Star Trek as a kid and then going and playing like you're on these planets with purple caves and bright yes. blue plants. So cool. I mean, you could just find the amount of styrofoam. Yeah, that's yes. it. You could just find some styrofoam, get some spray paint, boom. Magical underground caves. Later on, Kirk grabs a stalactite and snaps it off, and he does a tremendous job of acting like this um, styrofoam stalactite has, you know, strength and weight. Yes, that's great. <laughs> does a tremendous job. Um, I was just going to say that um, my house was built in the 70s and hasn't been touched since. Um, except for a kitchen and bathroom renovation. But um, my my ceiling is all styrofoam and they cut like little um, like little archways out of styrofoam as well. <laughs> what? Really? It's, yeah, it's so ridiculous. They used it for insulation, but it's bad because it's super bad if your house burns. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, like napalm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So you definitely, you need, wow, you need a fire blanket around you at all times. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I just carry a fire extinguisher in my pocket. Wow. I don't think I've seen that anywhere. Oh, you'll have to come over and poke it. It's really fun to poke because it's <laughs> 
So it's just, I would have no, I would have no ceiling left because I would just be playing with it. Yeah. Oh, me too. I'd be, (laughs) I'd be sitting here now at my desk podcasting, holding a broom, just poking the ceiling. (laughs) Um, everyone who comes over pokes it. And like looking at it now, I can see finger poke marks. So, so, so you have a squishy ceiling. I do have a squishy ceiling. I did not know that about you. There you go. Um, what, <laughs> it, what, like, would you consider painting it purple and adding a couple of stalic- paper mache stalactites? I mean, I am now. <laughs> oh man, just purple, just purple floodlights. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. And some cool theremin music. Oh my god, Mickey! Mickey, house. who I do ain't it rich with has a theremin. Get out. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. We're going to have Mickey on the pod, too. Yes. I'm going to request that he um, holds his theremin near the microphone. I think, yeah, I think that's appropriate. Okay, so we've got the cool purple caves. There's no one there to greet them, and there's a pretty steep drop near some of the paths that they've got to walk along. Kirk asks Spock to to beam down to security officers immediately. Um, and then we get two red shirts that we've never seen before, so we know they're screwed straight away. Right, yeah, okay. And they are They are walking dead, dead men walking. Uh, <laughs> they're finally greeted by Corby's assistant, Dr. Brown, and meanwhile we immediately hear the scream of one of the security officers as he falls to his death. Oh. And we see a scary... It's a pretty good scream. It is, yeah. That's a very good scream. And we see a um, scary giant guy creeping away from the edge where he's just where the crewman's just been pushed. Oh, he's really, really big. He's a very big guy in sort of a cloak jacket thing. Um, he's got dark eye makeup and some cool dark facial contouring. He kind of looks like Nosferatu, but big. Yeah, yeah. He sort of reminded me in a way. Yeah. He's very evocative of lots of. Probably B grade horror. Yeah, it, it, this was one I had seen. I had seen pictures of this particular dude a lot, and I never, I never knew which episode it was from. So it was good to finally have that connection. Yeah, he's sort of, he's like a solid version of Dalzim from Street Fighter Two. <laughs> Maybe even he reminded me a bit of <laughs> very solid though, completely opposite build. Or he reminded me a bit of the bad guy from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. But they just, they loved that big, scary Maybe guy in the 60s, bald. hey? Yeah, yeah. I just expected him to just start trying to rip out Kirk's heart and you're, Kalima, Kalima. <laughs> maybe that's just me. Or maybe Fester Adams. <laughs> yes, Fester Adams is a I'm good just listing. I'm just listing big, bald guys. Yeah. Um, so Dr. Brown is very matter-of-fact about the um, crew member's death and he doesn't really seem to care. Um, he doesn't recognise Nurse Chapel, and apparently that's odd because he's um, the Dr. Corby's assistant, so he should know her. Yeah. And when prompted, he eventually you know, maybe sort of feigns that he, he recognises her. Um, Kirk asks the contacts the remaining security, security officer and asks him to contact the Enterprise and have a larger security team standing by, but the giant sneaks up on him and kills him. Um, so I assume he didn't manage to get that message out. 
Kirk and this nurse chapel, uh, yeah, they're unaware that the second crewman has been killed and they're being led through the caverns by Dr. Brown, who's telling them about the ancient discover- technology and the discoveries that Corby has made. His outfit's great too. Dr. Brown. Yeah. Yeah. It's like overalls that are like one side's green and one side's blue and they kind of like cross over his shirt is very cool. And he's got like the very 60s beat neck turtleneck thing happening. Love it. Yeah. Cool black skivvy yes. on underneath. Yes. He's the black wiggle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so interestingly, so we've got Dr. Brown and then all of a sudden an attractive woman walks in and she's wearing pretty similar uh, outfit, but minus the black skivvy underneath. Well, then you couldn't so see the titties as well. Yeah, that's right. So I very... mean, you can definitely see your nipples. Yes. <laughs> you kind of can. Yeah, so you? minus no skivvy, no bra, just the, the cool purple and blue space over, or no, blue and green space overalls. It looks like a sexy gurney outfit. Yeah, yep. It's a good look. It's a great look. We eventually discover that this object has a name and it's Andrea. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, we, yeah, we get a lot of objectification in this series. Really? I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dr. Corby appears and Pasha's nurse chapel <gasps> and um, everything's all right now. Um, Corby... Seems a lot. He's he's a lot more concerned about um, the death of the crewman than Brown was. Um, Kirk can't hail the other security officer, and he tries to call the ship, uh, but Brown points a phaser at him. Oh no! Corby says, "Yeah, dun 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 dun." The tables uh, have Kirk's, turned. They and, have. and Kirk, Kirk immediately grabs Andrea and uses her as a human shield. See, I told you Kirk's shit. (laughs) (laughs) Picard wouldn't do that shit. Exactly. Picard would shield the woman. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Corby says, I'm sorry, Captain, no no communications. Um, And he tries to explain that he's he's trying to protect his discoveries from from other people. He doesn't want more people to come down and not understand what he's doing. Uh, and he orders Andrea to escort Kirk. Um, Kirk overpowers her and takes a phaser and shoots Dr. Brown. Um, the, oh, our giant runs in and grabs Kirk immediately. Um, so we cut to a shot of Dr. Brown's body with a hole in it, revealing smoke and wires coming out. Oh, no, he was a robot? He was a robot all along. See what I mean? Twilight Zone. Is this the Twilight Zone? <laughs> so uh yeah we get a nice scream from nurse chapel um the enterprise receives uh uh finally receives communication from kirk so we've got a shot of um spock listening to kirk on the bridge uh and he's telling me everything's okay and they've made contact with dr corby but then we cut back to the planet in the caverns and it's actually the giant talking using kirk's voice and Spock says, are you okay, Captain? You sound a bit tired. And um, Giant in Kirk's voice says, no, that's no, cool. Everything's fine. Um, 
Corby wants Kirk to learn about the discoveries before he makes a final judgment about what's going on. Okay. We learn that the giant's name is Ruck, and Ruck uh, basically puts on a show for Kirk, um, demonstrating that he can use different people's voices. So he does Andrea's voice, and he does Corby's voice, and then finally he talks with Nurse Chapel's voice. Uh, but then Corby freaks, freaks out, and he says, Enough! You must never mock Christine or harm her. And then Kirk says he, he injects uh, or disobey an order from her. And right. then um, Corby sort of thinks for a second and then he repeats the order, yes, you must never disobey her. So Kirk's always thinking quickly. He's able to plant little things here and there. And we learn that Ruck is an android, but he's more declares himself to be more superior to Brown and he says, I was left here by the old ones. So the old one. Corby and Ruck the old ones. So the ancient inhabitants of the planets um, built Ruck. Okay. Um, I just had a little Google. The guy who plays Ruck played Lurch in the original Adams family. Nice. So that was the Adams family connection. Yeah. Oh, I say Uncle Fester. Yeah, um, no, yeah, I, okay. Lurch. He, I thought he looked familiar, so I looked it up. There you go. So there's, there's enough work for massive bald giants in Hollywood? Yes. <laughs> Very cool. Um, he did, he did uh, again, just because he's a bald giant, um, he reminded me of the guy in... Um, next generation. That's Mr. Home. Yep, who's who's also on Twin Peaks as a giant. Oh um, yes. Um, I wonder if he's even taller, but he's yeah, he's not quite as big and bulky as the giant in uh, this episode. Yeah, but they've also padded so him he, out with that cape and stuff too. I was going to say, yeah, there's definitely cushions and stuff under his jacket. Yeah. They bulked him up. We learn that Corby and Ruck together built Brown. Um, Kurt tries to escape, uh, but then Ruck picks him up and throws him across the room. And Great. Corby intervenes just in time to save Kirk from Ruck. Meanwhile, Nurse Chapel's in a, off in a separate quarters and Andrea walks in and says, I do not understand. Why are you unhappy? You're with Roger again. And uh, the nurse is just concerned about the captain. Where's Captain Kirk? Okay. And then Kirk, Corby and Ruck enter. Andrew reveals that she is an android too. What um, a surprise. Corby, what a surprise. Surprise, surprise. Corby talks about her lifelike skin tones and sort of strokes her cheek, which is a bit gross, and then um, talks about how the flesh has warmth and holds a hand and says, and even a pulse. And then he goes, Andrea, kiss Captain Kirk. Oh, no, no. And then she goes over and kisses Kirk. And then he says, now strike him. And she slaps him across the face. What is um, happening? Oh, no, that's full on. I'm like, whoa. I think, I think it was in Shatner's contract to get to kiss any of the women co-stars that he wanted to. Of course. So you reckon that didn't happen in the writer's room? I 
I mean, okay, well, this is early enough that this might have been a uh, writer's room thing, but later it, it definitely is a Shatner he thing. He everyone. Well, because the um, the famous Kirk and Uhura kiss, which was, you know, the first interracial kiss in primetime, was originally supposed to be her and Spock. Oh. But Shatner threw a fit. And chimed in. Wow. So poor old Spock missed out. But he wouldn't care. He's emotionless. So, yeah, fascinating. So, um, it looks like Corby's directing some sort of kinky shit by <laughs> I ordering mean... the kiss and then <laughs> her to hit him. He's just hit treating her. her like a sex robot now. Yeah, that's it. But uh, apparently he's just um, getting her to demonstrate that she has no emotions. She just follows commands and programming. That's a Good, good thing to put out there, you know, about a woman in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a demonstration now. This is how you make an android. Um, so Ruck loads up this big blobby latex dummy onto a turntable and then rotates it around. So that dummy is probably made out of your ceiling material. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like it. Or well, either that or it <laughs> looks like it was made by a five-year-old with Play-Doh. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. Uh, and then he rotates the turntable around to reveal nude Kirk on the other side of the table. And then they uh, basically spin the crap out of the turntable like a centrifuge. So that's how you make an android. You just put a blob dummy next to a person and then spin them real fast. Oh, man, if I knew it was that easy, I'd have made an army. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, so they, they spin him that... They spin him flat out, like, to the point where you definitely spew of you a Kirk. <laughs> and um, he's laying on his doesn't... back, too. So if he spews, he's just going to oh. choke on it. It's very unsafe. That's like my worst nightmare. I can't handle show rides. No. Nah. I couldn't handle being... Have you ever done the Gravitron? No, I've been... Oh, oh, no. I've been on a roller coaster once, and it was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, yeah, no, I couldn't do it. Do you have the Gravitron in the States, Emily? Yeah, that's just the, like, the inside thing that just spins, right? Like you're standing yeah, so up against the like wall. Yeah, it looks like a flying saucer. Yeah, I've never yeah. been in it, thank God. I went to one once at the... Because where I grew up, we have like one of the biggest county fairs, which I, I gather is the equivalent of nice. your guys' shows. Like We have one of the yeah. biggest ones yeah. in the country. And like one year, my friends talked me into doing that. And I knew it was a bad idea because I get motion sickness really easily. I was oh. I was I didn't throw up on the ride, but I was nauseated for the entire rest of the day. Oh my god! Like, I had to. I remember, like I I got out of it and I went and I just glide on the dirt because <laughs> oh. there was no place to sit. There wasn't any place to sit, and I'm like, I need to lie down. We just found some place like behind a tent, and I like just lay down, hating <laughs> my life. Oh, oh my man. goodness! Why do people do that? Yeah, if you're listening to this and you're a big fan of show rides and roller coasters and stuff um, and you're listening thinking we're all massive wusses, you can write in and tell us about it. Tell us what your favourite ride is. Um, if, you, if you're not into that, it's not a good time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, at, like at NASA, how you'll see like, you know, um, montages of astronauts training and there's that, that big ball that they put them in and they spin them around. Yeah, the yes. big centrifuge. Um, well, I um, 
I got a scholarship to go to NASA when I was 12. And um, oh, wow. that was like part of the program was that we got to go on that. But the week before I went, I got hit in the head just noodling around in the backyard with my friend and got a concussion. So they wouldn't let me on it because I had a concussion. <laughs> oh, wow. But then I watched wow. everyone else doing it and I was like, I'm really glad I don't have to do that because it looks scary and horrible. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, have you seen a movie called Space Camp? Yes, I have. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> have you seen Space Camp, Emily? Of course I've seen Space Camp. Oh, awesome. With Steven Spielberg's wife as the star. <gasps> I didn't know that was her. Yeah, from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Wow. Did you get in the cockpit of any space shuttles? I sure did. Um so at the end we had to do like an assignment where we did like a full mission um, and everyone was assigned like oh, roles cool. in the group. Um, so I got to be the pilot and it was the coolest. So I spent oh my god, oh, what? I spent like a good 10 hours in an actual space shuttle simulator and did the whole thing and we fucking nailed it. It was awesome. 10 hours in this. Oh man. I, I was thinking like this would be a quick tour or something like that. So that's. How long did you spend at NASA? I think it was two weeks. Oh, wow. Um, and So cool. Yeah, it was wicked. Um, I think that that movie is set at the same place where I went, but I'm not sure. Um, were there um, any cool robots trying to take over the shuttle? No, there were no cool robots trying to take anything over, unfortunately. Oh damn! Yeah, yeah. I did. I did a space camp in middle school, but it was just like a really abbreviated, like, like four day thing. It wasn't where like you, real space camp. Where it did was, you go? Um, uh, down in uh, in Alabama. Yes. In what, is, it, is it in Huntsville? Yeah, dude. That's where I went. Oh my god! Get out of town. That's crazy. Oh man, camp buddies. Yes, we could have gone to camp <laughs> together. That would have been amazing. I'm so so happy to help facilitate this camp reunion. <laughs> what year did you go? Oh God, um, it would have been. I would have been there in like, oh, like '98, maybe. Okay, I was there in '03. Like, I was a bit later. Okay, yeah, I was definitely there before you. Yeah. That's cool, though. We went to the same place. That's so cool. The only school camp I went on was Lake Ainsworth, where we did canoeing. That sounds nice. Well, it was nice. It wasn't quite as exciting. I didn't get 10 hours in the cockpit of the space shuttle. I know. Did you get to go in the space shuttle, Emily? Yeah, like, we did just, like, like really briefly. Like, we didn't do, like, the big mission stuff. Okay. But we got to, like, see everything. That's and we cool. did do the spinny chair thing. You did? And I hated it. Oh, I knew I knew it was the worst. Oh yeah, it's awful. How many G's? <laughs> well, it's some um, it's some like very, you know, like kid friendly version of it. Yeah. Where they're basically just like doing it by hand, but you still get like if you are at all sensitive to that, you're gonna get viciously ill. Yeah, I, Ugh, one of the kids yeah, I had I in my in my class, he vomited. <laughs> oh, What's how's the physics of spewing work? Like obviously you're at low speed, but I always wondered like the if you spew in the gravitron, does it hit? Does it <laughs> does the spew end up splashing you in the face, or how does as the gravity work? <laughs> the physics of spew. 
That's our spin-off podcast. Someone write a paper on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that's something we could Google. Have you thrown up on the Gravitron? <laughs> yes. You can write in. I wonder how many G's that thing can get up to. When It'd they be crack nuts. It up like, out. I, I'm pretty sure that the when they actually went up in the shuttles, it was like five G or something ridiculous like that. I think part of that, like the training in the centrifuge, is would actually be to make the astronauts black out and see how quickly they recover or something like that. Or maybe I've just been watching too much Lost in Space on Netflix. <laughs> so we've got. Naked Kirk and the dummy spinning around flat out on the turntable and then at some random point, Corby turns around to uh, Ruck and yells out now and then Ruck presses a button and then all of a sudden there's two nude Kirks spinning flat out. Every girl's dream. Every girl's dream. (laughs) I don't don't know. I'm gay. I just assume that's what every girl's dream is, two naked spinning men. (laughs) Right in. Is that your dream? And then eventually the turntable comes to a stop and um, Corby asks Christine to look at them and goes, choose, Christine. <gasps> Which is the real one? We get another Kirk doppelganger episode. We just... It was like, wasn't it just two episodes ago? Yeah. It's good. It's always good when people have to choose who's the real Kirk. And then they transfer the memories across and while they're doing this kirk starts muttering repeatedly mind your own business mr spock i'm sick of your half-breed interference oh you hear and keeps repeating that so he gets racist yeah yep and we find out why he's doing that say, later but he it's just... really it's really quick thinking on kirk's part very quick there's a couple of yeah, very like, clever if i knew my memory was being transferred to a android me i don't think i would think okay i gotta find a way to signal to people who might interact with this thing that it's not really me and the the way to do that is racism (laughs) (laughs) it's brilliant it is and i guess yeah if you're watching this you could maybe think you know why is kirk even talking about spock that's not even there like it Maybe he's delirious or something, some sort of side effect. Uh, but we find out why later. Andrea is um, serving dinner for Nurse Chapel in another room later on. And she says, I am now programmed to please you also. Oh. <laughs> now this is getting closer to my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mind instantly went to the gutter. Sorry. So I decided to not take any further notes. No, not at all. Um <laughs> Yeah, we all went there. Um, Kirk, back in uniform, he enters the room for dinner and they try to figure out what happened to Corby. Um, did he confide in you? Has, has, why is he doing all this? Has something gone wrong with his mind? Uh, and Kirk says to the nurse, if I gave you an, a direct order to betray him, could you do that? And uh, Nurse Chapel declines and says, yeah, please don't ask me to do that. Uh, and she tells Kirk to eat his dinner, but then Kirk says, "Androids don't eat Miss Chapel." So instantly we've got um, again a very twilighty. So it was the android Kirk all along. So luckily um, she said that she couldn't betray um, uh, Corby, and then the real Kirk and Corby enter, and Kirk's in the cool over- blue and green overalls now. Um, the real Kirk. 
is you know he starts testing out Android Kirk and seeing if he what he can what he knows about Kirk's knowledge and memories. Um, and it actually turns out the Android Kirk has a more accurate accurate uh, reflection of Kirk's memories. I need one of those. I need an Android just so I can remember stuff like what show was I scared of as a child. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> I need a, an Android so I can remember any of these characters. I have to ask Emily every week who was the captain on Deep, Deep Space Nine. We should get the tally. So Corby reveals his plans. He needs um, transportation to a planet colony with proper raw materials so he can continue his Android creating work. Um, he wants to integrate androids into society, but he, he wants to do it before people are aware about it so they don't freak out and try and get rid of them or whatever. Um, Kirk grabs Corby and threatens to strangle him and manages to escape. And this is where we get to see Kirk, Kirk um, break off a purple stalactite and uh, get it ready for a weapon, and he does a good job of pretending it's anything other than styrofoam. But you can still uh, tell. Really, really, really phallic one, by the way. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> it's just, it's extremely phallic. I mean, I understand yes. why it's the nature of it. Stalactites are going to be phallic, but this one, <laughs> it's its so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> so Ruck uses Nurse Chapel's voice now. It's actually it's pretty creepy when he, when he does that. Kirk actually answers him to lure him over so I can hit him with a stalactite, but he's ready and grabs it and they struggle. And Kirk falls over the ledge, just clinging on with his hands. Meanwhile, Android Kirk has beamed aboard the Enterprise and everything seems normal. Uh-oh. Uh, until mid, mid-sentence, he sort of snaps and goes, mind your own business, Mr. Spock. I'm sick of your half-breed interference. And Spock's quite taken aback. And Kirk looks up like nothing's happened, like he doesn't even remember what just happened. And he just says, you look upset, Mr. Spock. Is everything all right? So um, real Kirk's clever programming worked. Brilliant. Android Kirk is talking about Corby and his crew, and um, Android Kirk reports back to Corby with plans for uh, an appropriate colony for them to take off to and tells Corby about, oh, I felt at home on the Enterprise. So Android Kirk's settling in. Uh, Andrea goes into Kirk's room. Um, Kirk says, Andrea, kiss me. And they do a big pash. And then Andrea is she's flustered. So Kirk does this a bit. He uses flirting and pashing to um, try and disrupt <laughs> female robots and alien women. <laughs> Like you do. He's the Space James Bond, I guess. Space James Bond. (laughs) (laughs) He wants to be. (laughs) I think he may want to be. Andrew freaks out and says, no, not programmed for you. And Kirk um, keeps using his flirting power, strokes her hair and um, uh, freaks her out. Andrew basically runs out and then uh, Ruck barges in to... He's decided to kill Kirk. Um, Kirk talks about Ruck's makers and Ruck says, yes, the old ones. They became fearful of us and tried to turn us off. It became necessary to destroy them. And then Kirk plants out about Corby um, being as bad as the old ones. And then Ruck, suddenly his eyes light up and he says, that was the equation. 
Um, it's and basically about survival rather than serving the makers. Okay. So there you go. So that's how Kirk tends to work on people. He uses logic on men and flirting on women. I mean, he kind <laughs> of sexually assaulted her. Yeah, oh, I, he did. I sort of kiss, and then he goes in for the massive pash. It definitely was uncomfortable to watch. Oh yeah, yep. And I was—I got to say, when Rock barged in and like smacked him over, I was a little bit like, "Yes." <laughs> rock to the rescue! <laughs> rescue Rock. Corby shoots Rock. Okay, so yeah, Kirk's. Um, uh, made Ruck decide to kill Corby. Corby. Corby shoots Ruck with his phaser and Kirk tries to overpower Corby and tears his hand open to reveal machinery inside. Oh. Corby was an android all along and uh, Nurse Chapel screams and tries to process what's happening. So she fell in so, love with the android? Well, no, I think she she was in love with the human Corby. Right, so, okay, I'm with you. So we figured out that this is an android Corby, which means we still don't know where the real Corby is. Well, he he explains that when he got to the planet, he got injured and, like, mortally injured. And so he created an android of himself and put his memories into it. Right, okay, that makes sense. So in Android Corby's mind, he's still Corby and he's he's just found a way to, like at the start of the episode, Nurse Chapel talks about um, how resilient Corby is and how he, he would find a way to survive. And this is, and this is it. the way that he found to survive. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So an alarm detects somebody walking outside. So um, Corby sends Andrea out to deal with it. Andrea meets Android Kirk in the hallway and she says, I will kiss you. And Kirk says, okay. no, I will not. Illogical. Andrea doesn't like that response and then shoots Android Kirk. So that gets rid of the doppelganger problem. Then she joins all the others in the room and Kirk makes Android Corby reflect on what's gone down and with all this killing, he just says, you know, is this your perfect society, basically? And Corby starts to crack up. He sort of can't talk properly, and he's sort of realising that everything's gone horribly wrong. Uh, and then Andrea goes to Corby to love you, to kiss you. And then Corby goes, no, you cannot love. And then Andrea just keeps going, love you, kiss you. It's so weird. <laughs> Damn, Kirk and his flirting's just completely broken, Andrea. <laughs> yeah, these androids that have been working perfectly and acting like flawlessly human are suddenly just completely broken. So Kirk flirting power wins again. <laughs> he g- he gave the android PTSD. <laughs> and now all she wants to do is love and kiss everyone. It's very problematic. It's so um, problematic. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew's holding a phaser and then she kills Corby and herself with the phaser. It is her that does it, isn't it? Either way they both No, die. he grabs he grabs her oh, hand. That's right. And pushes the trigger. And they both dematerialize at once. So 
Android Corby's realised that uh, his very existence is flawed. I mean, it's so it's a tragic sort of Romeo and Juliet kind of ending. That's it. Android Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> yeah. Very tragic and obviously deeply traumatic for Nurse Chapel, who's still trying to figure out that her, her fiancé is still alive, but he's not alive. I mean, she's going to need a lot of and therapy. Oh, yeah. Um, Spock arrives now and says, where is Dr. Corby? And Kirk turns to him and says, Dr. Corby was never here. And then back on the ship, Nurse Chapel, we find out Nurse Chapel has decided to remain on the Enterprise. So um, I don't know if she was about to finish her. She's obviously not going to stay on that planet, but maybe she was about to finish her tour of duty or something. Um, and Kirk says, something wrong, Mr. Spock? And Spock says, Captain, I was rather taken aback by your use of the term half-breed. You must admit it is a rather unsophisticated expression. And Kirk basically says he'll remember that next time he's in the same situation. Okay, here's my question. Does that mean he just didn't bother to tell Spock what actually yeah. happened? Yeah, or is it... Like, or was Spock just, like, objecting to the term being used under any circumstances, even if it's to indicate that it's not the real Kirk? Yeah, that's it. When I when I first watched this through, I must have missed the bit where um, Kirk quickly implanted that racist sentence while his memory was being cloned. Um, so by the end of the episode, I was like, oh, man, Kirk, you've really got to explain yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, yeah, Emily, that's a really interesting point. Hey, I mean, uh, mean, first of all, he's your friend. So you think you'd want to be like, Hey, no, that was just, but also he's your first officer. And I think scientist guy who made a bunch of androids is maybe and tried to kill us is maybe something. Yeah, exactly. And I'd also just think as as far as like culturally for the sixties, it's a really interesting little 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 piece because it's like, well, yeah, he is saying it's an unsophisticated expression, and like this is also the time where you can watch films from this era and just see people outright being racist. I think that that in a way is weirdly progressive. I know he's not a real race, yeah. but sometimes I think the reason sci-fi can be good for culture is because you can present people an idea without the emotion of it. Yeah. Well, that's that's you know, part of the reason, a big part of the reason Star Trek was so powerful is um, that even though they couldn't talk about race on you know, primetime TV, they could do it through the vehicle of you know, different aliens. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm assuming even people that had racist attitudes that, you know, it's a good way to subtly get through to them without realising that, that, hey, you know, you need to take a different look at things. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I know later on in the original series there's an episode where there's a race of people where half their face is white and half their face (gasps) is black. I've seen that. And then there's – you've seen it. There you go. I I haven't actually – I don't think I've actually seen the whole episode, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but, yeah, so the, the opposing race is the opposite. Half their fate, uh, just on uh, 
diff- opposite arrangement on their face. The other half is white and the other half is black. And these people hate each other. Wow. Purely based on their appearance. Wow. And it just shows how absurd and ridiculous racism is. Yeah, that's that's uh, great. That's way to do it. That's wonderful. It's definitely 60s progressivism. So there's still, I mean, obviously, as we saw in this episode, a lot of stuff that is deeply problematic. Yeah. But but they they also did some really cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's interesting. One of the things I love about watching historical films is to sort of see where people were at for that time and to just to notice where it starts trickling in. I guess Next Generation was able to build on that where you've got episodes about gender and uh, sexual orientation and things like that so that they're actually able to, to push that a lot further in the 80s. Yeah. But it's, they still do it. They're very clever. They do it in a very subtle way where anyone that's ignorant enough to be offended by it probably can't really gather what's going on. It's not yeah, overt. That's it. They wouldn't even pick up on it. Yeah. That's done very well. And that's why Star Trek is so great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and also the just the optimism is fantastic. It really is an, an optimistic example of, um, you know, the best that people can be, I think, really. Definitely. Everybody just um, dedicating their lives to the common good and and science and discovery. Um, and you get... Like with the Lost Lost in Space is interesting. There's a new Lost in Space series on Netflix, which I found to be interesting. Cool. And that basically shows you the opposite. It shows you the the absolute worst in people. Wow. Um, okay, that's interesting. Parker Posey as 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 Doctor Smith is fantastic. Cool. I'll have to check it out this time. I love it. So, and watching that. I would have the tendency to think that that's probably the way things would go if we ever did get into space. Yeah. Um, but then when you think about why does it have to go that way, it, it maybe it doesn't. No. Maybe there's maybe there is hope. Maybe there's hope for Gene Roddenberry's vision. I hope. I think there's hope. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like what looking back and watching any show from – this or any movie from this period of time, all of this problematic stuff with women is just, it's all there and you don't see as much of it anymore. Like it's still there. But if you compare say get smart to a modern comedy now, it would just, you know, you just wouldn't see the same kind of gross stuff with women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. So we're moving forward. It's just slow. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this episode? Before the the golden credits roll up, I loved it. I thought it was good. It was fun. It was fun. It was a fun Twilighty Zone episode. Lots of twists and mystery. Yeah, I like a good twist. I like it when some someone turns out to be a robot. Yes, I'm always waiting for it. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm going, that's a robot. <laughs> and the costuming, I just loved. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so good. Rock's like cape thing was just magical. So good, actually. Even even uh, Nurse Chapel's outfit was gorgeous. I'm going to have to go back and have another look. So this week we also checked out uh, The Toys That Made Us on Netflix and uh, the first episode of the brand new season two 
is on Star Trek toys, right as my microphone goes to tip off my desk. <laughs> uh, so, that, yeah, the first season of the new season two is on Star Trek toys. Uh, so what do you guys think of that episode? I found it fascinating. I did too. It was really, it was a lot of fun. One of the things that's that's really interesting about the beginning of Star Trek toys, um, for those who haven't seen the episode or those who don't know, is they just took any existing thing they had and stuck Star yes. Trek stuff on it. Like, sometimes it would just, like, say Star Trek. Like, And one of my favorite things, you, you got to Google it if you haven't seen pictures of it, there's this helmet with this siren, like, light on the top of it, and it just says Spock <laughs> across the front. <laughs> it's the most un-Spock thing you could possibly think of. Yeah, it had oh, literally nothing to do with him. And they just, like, they would take little, like, plastic army men and just, like, stick them in a Star Trek box. Yeah, and they'd be like, well, this is Kirk and Scotty now. <laughs> These green soldiers. And, yeah, every, everything's to do with, like, space war. Like, this, it's the most, it's the opposite of the Star Trek philosophy. Yeah, that's it. It was just capital capitalizing on it. One thing I found really interesting and really cool was that uh, Gene Winfield um, built some of the vehicles for Star Trek and he also did some of the, um, you know, helped out with the modeling of the cars, like the, the not the cars, sorry, the toys. Um, do you guys know who Gene, Gene Winfield is? I don't. Um, so, so he's a, a, a hot rodder. Um, he oh, started wow. off um, racing in Bonneville um, and building hot rods um, and he's probably – the world's most famous hot rodder. He's done a lot of cars for movies um, and TV shows. He did a lot of the, like in Get Smart, how they had like little gadgety bits in the cars. He did all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also known oh, cool. for, you know, doing these amazing customizations and body work and like uh, paint fade. Like I love, I love hot rods. I love hot rodding. Um, so it was really cool to, to know that he did that because I just love the design of those, you know, all of the, the the ships and the vehicles. I don't know what the proper term is in Star Trek, but, you know, it's just so sleek and it's so modern and mid-century and to know that he was behind that was very cool for me. It's amazing. Was it was he involved in the shuttle design? The shuttle. Yeah. So the, the we've talked about um, in the first few episodes – we don't see the Enterprise using a shuttle. They don't have any smaller ships to move around. They're using oh, the time. Um, um, so, I think he may have been. I'll just look it up. Yes. So we had an ep- Yeah, because that's a bit... When they were talking about the shuttle, it was when they were talking about how they... Like, the scale they made the model to, where you couldn't... Like, people couldn't stand upright in it. Yes. Yeah. Because they'd hit yes. their heads. Uh, we, we talked about recently, um, what was it on the enemy within, uh, the, the trans, they're having problems with the transporter. They needed to desperately get the crew off the planet and they couldn't beam them back aboard. And the logic, logical solution is fly a shuttle down there and pick them up. Yeah. Uh, and we're all wondering, you know, why didn't they use the shuttle? Um, and I think we had an email from Campbell about, yeah, why, why didn't they just use a shuttle and, Apparently, is because the the shuttle set hadn't been built yet. They didn't have a shuttle to oh, use. Wow! Uh, 
So apparently a toy company did a deal with them and said, look, we'll build you this shuttle um, and and do the deal to make, you know, to start manufacturing the toys or some of the toys. Yeah. I think is what I, I picked up from that, from the toys that made us. Um, but yeah, they made it, as Emily said, they only made it sort of three quarter scale. So everybody had to duck when they, when they walked into the shuttle. <laughs> That's so funny. But yes, he, he did make that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool looking thing. Like it's a super cool looking thing. Yeah. Yeah, super cool. And and that was I was just sort of thinking you know, this show sort of came out at perfect timing. I was just thinking about all the amazing Star Wars toys that all my friends had growing growing up and just how there's I've I've basically seen no Star Trek toys in my life. But the one thing the the major toy that I think everyone's seen at some point is the ship, the Enterprise. It sort of is in Star Trek is as big a character as any of the characters, I think, definitely in terms of toys. So that's that's something as a model I've seen a lot of. But the in terms of action figures of, you know, the crew, it's just something I didn't encounter as a kid. And it, it I don't know if there's limited production in Australia or I guess, you know, I, I came along in the 80s, so you know, I missed the original 60s, 70s run. Um, but it, it's Star Trek merchandising just seems to be a classic case of mismanagement. Um, there's an episode on Star Wars in the uh, first season of The Toys That Made Us, and that's textbook, you know, the perfect way, you know, the proper way to manage a franchise and actually have quality control and make sure people aren't just slapping a, you know, a Star Trek sticker on something that doesn't have anything to do with Star Trek. Yeah. Um, a couple of toy manufacturers particularly seemed to be one that was doing that, you know, making some cool toys but some pretty terrible unrelated toys and just branding them as Star Trek. And they were doing very well. Star Trek was, I think, 70% of their business or something. Yep. Um, I might be pulling figure out from nowhere, but they passed on Star Wars when it came out and that basically killed their whole yeah. business. Star Wars um, took over the toy market. And it was fascinating. You end up with a um, the CEO of this toy company that was doing a lot of the Star Trek toys actually ended up in prison for some sort of white-collar stuff when his company folded. Holy crap. So it's, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty fascinating documentary. Yeah, they... they- they sort of glossed over the details on that one. I feel an Ain't It Rich episode coming on. <laughs> yeah, actually, that, that could be that could be could be worth looking into. Um, yeah, they just sort of said I. Then he had a brief minimum security stay. They just sort of <laughs> <laughs> make it sound as nice as possible. Yeah. Wasn't the company called Playmates Toys? Playmates was a later one. I remember seeing that and thinking it was funny. Yeah, yeah. Playmates is the one who like pivoted to going after collectors. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I actually that's sort of some of the stuff that I had cuz that would have been around the time. So I rem- I didn't have a ton of stuff, but I definitely had I remember I had a data figure and I'm I'm sure it was one of the Playmates one cuz it was a it was a I mean for the time a much better quality than the other ones and I had I had a tricorder and you could press buttons and it would make sounds. And oh, had that's a, so cool. And I had a phaser 
And at one point I had a, I, I did get a model kit of the, the next generation Enterprise, the Enterprise D, that my dad helped nice. me put together. And that hung up in the ceiling of my bedroom for years and years and years. Oh, so I, cool. Yeah, I had a little Enterprise that was like on a stand. Nice. Yeah, my, my in-laws have got a an Enterprise D, I'm pretty sure it's Enterprise D, that they that sits on the stand and I think they might've even, they collected all of the, the um, next generation episodes on VHS. So I think they might've even got them in some sort of a mail order thing where they got a part of the enterprise with the cassettes. And then eventually over many years, they got enough parts for the enterprise and built it. I think that's the case. Man, that's so cool. I should verify that, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to model Enterprise now. They're they're sort of yeah. fun to put together. That'd be so cool, and a Millennium Falcon. I wonder if Mum still has mine laying around somewhere. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, I that'd like the so cool. I like the Voyager ship as well. Yes. Yeah. I always like. I would. I would get a. I'd get a Deep Space Nine one just because I like that weird, very like stark design nice because it's so different from like the federation stuff yeah that'd be cool i like the i like the new enterprise from the rebooted movies as well that's got the sort of sort of the neon glowing um highlights on it so i I think jj abrams told the designers he wanted it a bit like a hot rod yeah if you're listening at home and you're into collecting or you've You've got fond memories of Star Trek toys. Email us in and let us know. Were Star Trek toys a thing when you were a kid, Emily? Did you see them around the playground? Um, I was like right at that age where it wasn't it wasn't popular to be into sci-fi. Yeah. So it was like the, the like the geekier kids definitely had it. It was definitely something like you could find easily in stores. Yeah, and that's something I've just maybe I just missed it or wasn't looking for it, but I, I just never remember it really being a thing in Australia. Whereas, you know, sort of growing up in the eighties, um, I you know started um, school you know a couple of years after Return of the Jedi, so the Star Wars figures were still massive in the playground. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in a pretty rural area. We had one toy shop, and it was very small, so there wasn't a lot. So I did a lot of improvisation. Nice. Um, so as a, as a kid, I, I was pretty into Star Wars more so than Star Trek, I think. Um, and I got like a big torch and mum got like this glass paint and painted the top of it. It's like this sort of translucent blue. So when you shine the torch, it had a, like a blue beam. And, um, like, we painted it silver and put, like, black tape on it to make it look like a lightsaber. <laughs> so good. Oh, that's so cool. That's awesome. Um, she also um, she sewed buttons onto a cushion to look like an Ewok. So I had an Ewok toy. Oh, my God. Oh, nice. And this was when I was really little. Like, I would have been about five and I used to like sleep with that Ewok cushion all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. But then as I got older, she actually, I remember, I think it was my 11th birthday. 
mum got me like a proper lightsaber toy. I'm pretty sure she went to Brisbane to get it and it was just like the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. So, yeah, it was all pretty hard for me to get, but I never saw Star Trek toys as a kid other than that Enterprise that I had. And, again, I'm pretty sure that was something that mum got when she was in Brisbane. Wow, fantastic. We were sort of the same. I grew up in a little town in New South Wales and we just had the one toy store. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, probably didn't quite have the variety. I remember getting one of my sister's dolls and jamming a thumbtack in its throat and then all of a sudden it was Astro Boy for some reason. I don't even know if that makes sense <laughs> That's at all. brutal. Brutal, yeah, that I know. brutal. Lucky, lucky my sisters are a bit older than me and um, probably not so much into dolls by that stage. Uh, I don't even know how that equates to Astro Boy, but anyway, you got to improvise, haven't you? <laughs> when you're in the bush. Oh, if I show you the Ewok cushion, you'll be like, that looks nothing like an Ewok. I still have it. It's in my bedroom. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very cool. I'll send you a photo of it and you'll think I'm mad. Nice. I can't wait to see it. Well, like, yeah, if you're happy for us to share it around, we'd love to put it up. Sure. <laughs> My mum would be so proud of it. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Okay, we'll, we'll try and put that up on the socials. Uh, the stretches of the child's imagination. So cool. Very cool. Any other things that jumped out at you guys from the toys that made us? I think so. It was fun anyway. I really enjoyed it. And It was fun. Like all these things, they're, yeah, they're, you, you come for the Star Wars toys, but then while you're there, you get all the bonus little anecdotes and tangents in history. So, very yeah, cool that's series. it. Very cool. Uh, we got one from Squire Trev, who's written in several times now. Thank you for that, Squire Trev. We always like to hear from you. And this one is called Mud, because um, last week we did Mud's Women. And this email says... What do you think of Rain Wilson's portrayal of Harry Mudd on Star Trek Discovery compared to Roger Carmel's portrayal of Mudd on the original series? Do they feel like the same character? Personally, I think Rain Wilson does a great job as Mudd. I think he overall captured the character of Mudd well, given that Discovery is a darker show. And this one I will have to hand over to you because I have not seen him on Discovery because I've only seen like an episode and a half. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, Aria, if you're not aware, Discovery is a new season of um, Star Trek or a new series of Star Trek that we just had the first season of. Uh, wow. I, I, yeah, I've heard about that, but I haven't seen it. It's, um, I like it. It's, it's a lot darker um, and rather than having sort of fairly standalone episodes like we typically get in Star Trek, you've got yeah. to, a story arc that goes across the um That's the cool. Um, the most controversial thing is the Klingons look totally different. They okay. supposedly went back to some sort of original concept art. So we've got Klingons that don't look like Klingons and I don't even think they particularly sound like Klingons. That might just be just me. But we get a lot of Klingon dialogue with subtitles, this one. It's, it, uh, it's interesting. I noticed on... We're lucky enough to get it on Netflix in Australia, but in okay. America, CBS have put it out to promote their CBS All Access uh, web oh. streaming service. So you actually get one or two episodes for 
free in the States, I think, and then you've got to subscribe. Yeah. Whereas everywhere else you get it on Netflix. Um, and I've noticed on Netflix, if you go under the subtitles, you can actually turn on Klingon subtitles as a language. <laughs> That's amazing. So, <laughs> um, so we had, yeah, we had Harry Mudd last week. It was our introduction to him in the original series. Um, Ryan Wilson plays Harry Mudd in Discovery, which is actually set just before um, the Enterprise, I think 10 years before or something like that. I should know that. Uh, sorry, 10 <laughs> years before the original series. Yeah, um, yeah. That fits in between Enterprise with Scott Bakula as the captain and um, right before Kirk. Um Ryan Wilson, I think, is fantastic. He plays a darker version of Muds, um, who we talked about last week is quite brutal and malicious in the ways he wants to, the ways he goes about taking over the Enterprise. He's still essentially doing the same. Well, I mean, uh, from so we can- from listening to your guys' episode last week, he sounds like a really bad dude. Yeah, yeah. And that's in the original series is sort of comic relief. Um, yeah, it's just a selfish out for himself. He loves to take over the starship and, yeah, he's just sort of a petty criminal. He's not really, I think like Emily said last week, he's not out to start a war or no. do anything like that. He's just out for personal gain. Um, but yeah, no, Rain Wilson does a great job. Um, and yeah, did well to make that character work on a modern show yeah definitely and, and obviously it's, it's tricky because yeah you can't kill that character off if, if you're you're limited in what you can do because obviously that character's got to live on to be in, in the original series uh so it does a great job um yeah so it'd be interesting anyone else that's um been watching discovery let us know they're filming season two now so um hopefully that won't be too far off very exciting. I think I'm going to be spending the next few days watching Star Trek. Yay. Yeah. And I would <laughs> say Discovery, when you watch the first couple of episodes, it might you might need to persevere a little bit. And, uh, and that was the, the advice to me. Catherine, yeah. friend of the show, Catherine Neen, was on a few weeks back. Um, she encouraged me to persevere with it, and I was very glad she did. Some that shows are just like that, about hey. Trek again. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I, I think just the big thing is because it's, they've taken it in such a different direction. Um, but Rod Roddenberry, Eugene's son, is steering the ship or he's, he's heavily involved anyway. He's running the, the Roddenberry company. So, um, yeah, it seems to be under, under good, um, good stewardship. And I was trying to find, I just wanted to acknowledge somebody tweeted us or hit us up on Facebook and said, you should watch the toys that made us. And I wanted to give you credit, but I'm sorry, I can't find the tweet, but thank you very much for writing in whoever you are. Kind hero. <laughs> kind, mysterious hero. <laughs> uh, I think that's about it for this week. Um, Aria, you've got, some live episodes of Ain't It Rich coming up, haven't you? We do, yes. We haven't got dates locked in yet, but it will be in early August. So that, that's part of the Briz Funny Fest here in Brisbane and Queensland? Yeah, uh, part of the Brisbane Funny Fest. Um, so they'll most likely be in Brisbane City or Fortitude Valley or somewhere. Um, we haven't 
Yeah, um, we haven't locked in um, dates or a venue quite yet, but um, it is confirmed that we'll be doing those shows. I just don't want to say anything no, before we've got it all set in concrete. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm excited. I am you too. I'm terrified and excited. Oh, very exciting. I can't, yeah, can't wait to see your first ever live pods. It's going to be crazy. Uh, anything else cool coming up on Ain't It Rich? Um, yeah, actually, we. So Mickey's going uh, overseas. He's going to Koh Samui for the uh, Koh Samui International Podcast Festival, which is not as fancy as oh, it yeah. sounds. Um, so he's going oh, for that. Oh, come on. I'm going, I'm going to. I'm going to pretend it's fancy. Oh, well, we'll just pretend it's fancy then. Um, uh, so, yeah, he's going to do a few episodes while he's over there. I unfortunately can't come because I am on paternity leave. Um, so I have to stay at home with my puppy who is currently more like a baby crocodile and trying to eat everything. Um, so we're going to be doing uh, something different for those episodes, seeing as we won't be together. So uh, I think that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, how, how can we follow you? Uh, so we have a Facebook page. It's at Ain't It Rich. We have Instagram, which is also at Ain't It Rich. Um, we have a website, www.ain'titrich.com. Um, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and my personal Instagram is at Shadow and Sage, which is where I post photos of my dogs and my horse and my sheep. So <laughs> if you care about that stuff, that's where you can find it. Um, we'd love to hear from anybody who listens to this pod. Nerdy folks. That's our kind of people. Very cool. Emily Lind. Massive episode of Solo coming up, I'm guessing. I'm very excited about uh, your and Brittany's Solo reaction. Yeah, that'll hopefully be... um, I'm hoping we can still meet our normal Friday, but if not, it'll definitely be up this weekend and you can find that the Canto Bite Dispatch um I also do a X-Men Legion podcast uh you can find that that is Pod of Future Cast and I am on Twitter at EF Lind cool wonderful of course he's dead Jim uh you can follow us on the socials we're at he's dead Jim pod on Facebook Instagram and Twitter uh and uh also you can send us an email uh at he's dead Jim pod at gmail.com um and call to arms this week listeners if you're on Facebook jump on Facebook and give us a like uh we'll have some cool polls up there be fun for everybody to get involved in and you need to rate uh, and review this podcast and give it five stars so people can find it because it's great wonderful thank you so much (laughs) you're so welcome (laughs) that'll be awesome if you're listening on your podcast app the episode notes have handy links for facebook twitter and instagram so you can just tap one of those or uh yeah just get on and search for at he's dead jim pod and give us a like Thank you very much, Aria, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. This was an absolute treasure. Treasure? Pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. I'm glad you came on. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, It was an absolute treat, and we'll uh, we'll look forward to having your co-host, Mickey Flykick, on very soon. Yes, that Uh, will be interesting. 
and the live shows. If you're in Brisbane, definitely check out Ain't It Rich live shows. I love Briz Funny Fest. So good. Such a cool fringe festival. Yeah, I'm so excited. There's so many great shows happening this year. It's just, it's going to be wonderful. Yeah, can't wait. Very cool. Me either. Well, uh, thank you very much again, Emily. Uh, have a wonderful week. And uh, forgot to look up our, always forget to look up the next episode. Uh, I think it's Miri. Ah, Miri, that's right. So I can't even remember what that's about. So next time, join us to find out what the hell Miri is. <laughs> Until next time, we have no sign off. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.